0: Our precious Father, we want to thank you for the privilege we have to study tonight. We trust you to teach us by your spirit and give us understanding in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are continuing to study the book of Ephesians chapter 5. We'll try to go to chapter 6 and see where we stop in chapter 6. And by the grace of God, next week we have to finish it because we need to go to the book of Hebrew and see where we end before we go into our family mood. So in chapter 5, we, we, the last time we spoke on chapter 5, we're talking about um, the being imitators of God. In chapter 5, verse 1, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, Filled with love, for God is love. You can't imitate God when you're not living in love. Filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us, offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. He just defined love for us. The love is offered unconditionally. So, in verse 3, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you, You can't love and be greedy. They don't work together. Among you, uh, such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, quiet jokes, things that are morally wrong, jokes that are morally wrong, and uh, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. And all these kind of jokes include all the things you watch on television, which they show you as comedy. But they are immoral they have no moral lessons to to give you you can be sure that no immoral sorry that's for obscene stories foolish talks crude jokes these are not for you instead let there be thankfulness to god you can you can be sure that no immoral impure or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of god, of Christ and of god for a greedy person is an idolater worshipping the things of this world people whose lifestyle can be defined like this are not really christians that's what he's saying they are worshipping another god they're not worshipping the god of heaven verse six don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these things these sins. for the anger of god will fall on all who disobey him verse seven don't participate in this in the things these people do clearly defined clearly cut out for us and then we said we need to have the heart of a child to be able to imitate god Children imitate easily. They learn very, very easily. And with that kind of child-like approach to the things of God, we easily believe God. We easily uh, imitate God. But there's, there's another catch to it, which I want us to look at, again, to be able to understand why you are equipped and why you should imitate God. Somebody says, oh, God is God, so how can I imitate him? But you need to understand how you are equipped. You need to understand Christianity very well. So let's say, what is Christianity, really? It's very important. What is Christianity? You're a Christian. If somebody will ask you, what is Christianity? What, would, what are you going to say? Christianity is not a religion of do's and don'ts. And that's what a lot of people think. And so they're struggling to do, struggling to do, struggling to please God. And they keep failing. The same anger they had before they got saved they still have it today and still they don't know this is not working i mean if you're using a key and it's not opening a door don't you understand you have the wrong key everybody's working be you holy oh we st- 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 step out we want to be holy and we, we have not achieved a lot doing all of that actually those are the things that paul said that he has he thought it was useful when he was really working hard to obey the laws, but he said they found out it was junk because it couldn't bring him to Christ. It could not make God accept him because all that righteousness is filthy That's what it is. So question is, what is Christianity? Christianity, like I said, is not a religion where you have do's and do's. Christianity is that God makes his dwelling place in a man. I want you to hear me again. Christianity is that God Makes a dwelling place in you. You are not a Christian if you don't have God in you. Simple. He makes you his temple, his tabernacle. And you are going to see that this is a foretaste of why this is hidden in heaven. We all, It's all going to culminate in the temple in heaven. And temple is always associated with the presence of God. Remember Moses said to God, it's your presence among us that makes us different, that distinguishes us us from other nations. If you don't go with us, how are we different? We're not different because it's you, when you are among us, you make all the difference. If you are not among us and you're not among them, so what makes the difference? Do you, you want to see people who are, who, in the, many years in the villages where we came from, where there was no Christianity, people, you could marry virgins. It was common. Very common. People were not committing immorality. It was abomination, just out of fear. Just out of fear that your family will ostracize you. Nobody touched each other. Were they Christians? No. No. And at that time, you would tell a lie. If you have any case and you take it to elderly people, they, will, they say if you lie, your stomach will bloat. So out of fear, they would tell a lie. So it's not, it's not, Christian is not really character management because there are a lot of good people, wonderful people, and they're not Christian. When I went to marry, I wasn't a Christian because my wife didn't like smoking. I simply stopped. I just wanted to marry her. I loved her. So loving her made me stop. Nobody. It was just loving her. If you're doing something, say your doctor says, if you do this and you die, you stop right away, Christian or not. Character management is not what it's all about. It's that God has made you a tabernacle, a place of his residence, where he stays, from where he walks through you. That's Christian. You know, the, pro- the tabernacle was a prophecy in the Old Testament. I need to dwell here a little bit. The tabernacle was a prophecy in the Old Testament. But God talking about, you know, you know the, the tabernacle that He will build, that his, the seed of David, Jesus, the son of David, will build a tabernacle for Him. When the, the Spirit of God was saying that through Nathan, He was talking. About us. When you read it, you find it, it said, Your seed. It didn't say seeds. Your seed. But after that, there are other things that God said about it, which was concerning the, the physical children of David. Because they will sin, and they did sin. God said, well, If they sin, I forgiven," But this one about the seed that will build is Christ. So it was prophesied, even though they had these temples that they had, but God was locked in in one place, and they couldn't come. It wasn't, it was, it was a partial worship. And God said, I don't dwell in temples that is made with hands. So that is not my dwelling place. That my dwelling place is not going to be built by men. My hands will do that. So it was prophesied. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, it was fulfilled. In Acts 17, verse 24, God who made the world and everything in it, I'm not saying the time, so I don't know where I'm with the time. God who made the world and everything in it, since He is Lord of heaven and earth. Does not dwell in temples made with hands. You see what God is saying. My temple where I'm going to dwell is not going to be made with hands. It's not the type of Moses was building. That thing Moses was building was just a pattern. But it's not the, it's not the type. Nor is he worshiped with men's hands. As do he needed anything. He gives to all life, breath, and all things. So this was fulfilled in Christ. Listen to me. You need to understand Christianity. Because if you don't, you are going to think it's do's and don'ts. And then you miss out on God that is in you, who is in you, walking in you, to, to do and to will, the one that will make you who you are, the one that is in you manifesting his glory. You miss out because now you cut him off in your in your in your you know, zeal to, to do things, to do things. You are doing that without faith. You can't please him because he's sitting there and watching you. So he doesn't even know that I'm here. <laughs> God doesn't want to be ignored. That's why without faith you can't please him because all that you are trying to do is it, below standard. It's only what, you say I can't worship, I'm not worshiping with men's hands. It's what I do that pleases me. I'm not worshipped with men's hands. It's the arm of the Lord. I produce life. I give life to all. I give character to all. (laughs) I give righteousness to all. I give peace to all. I give. He's the source of all good things. So you can't ignore him, and zoom out. Want to be? I want to be holy. I want to do all those kind of things, and keep failing. right right within you is the one who gives life to all, is the one who gives strength to all, is the one who can make you stand, is the one who has all the wisdom, is the one who has all the ability. You don't have nothing. But because you ignore him, because you don't understand that Christianity is not about those things you are trying to do, is that God has made you. And he built you. He built this tabernacle you didn't. I didn't. His arm made it. When he created you a new creature, First Corinthians 6, 19, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Mark this scripture, because God paid pay the dowry on you and on me. That's why we are his bride. He bought us with a price. He paid a dowry. So he has a legal right over our lives. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's now because he paid the price for it. He bought it. So, And in the millennium, where, where all these things are going, God is extremely purposeful. He didn't come to live in us so that it's fun. No, 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 no. He he's trying to teach us something. That in living in us, we taste his glory. And it's a foretaste of where we're going. This is going somewhere. It's a foretaste. Mm foretaste. The Old Testament was a shadow of the real. Christ being the real. Christ came to give a foretaste of where all this will end. Paul said, if it's it's in this life we all have hope, we are more than miserable. This is going beyond here. Purple. And when we get there, you will see. Let me read it. Revelation 21. And I saw in the new heaven and the new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. So he's talking about this earth. Verse 2, and I, sh- and I, John, saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband, prepared for the church, the bride of Christ. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. God's temple, God's presence is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. See where we are going? Where is this in his head? He has presence in us now. Nah. We are his tabernacle. But it's a foretaste of The tabernacle where we will all be his bride and where God will be with his people no more individual all of us yet he's still in us because we are joined with him eternally but this is going to be Christ God being with us the whole church the body of Christ And I heard a voice, verse 3, out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be be with them, be their God, verse 4, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, no more crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are past Verse 22, and I saw Verse 22, listen to the description of this temple. And I saw no temple there. <laughs> Amazing. Which means you don't, need a place, you don't need a place of worship no more. Because the presence of God has come among us. Remember, we his temple, where he dwells. But the Bible says now God is with his people in a very, very magnificent spiritual way that we can't even begin to imagine. That the whole place is filled with his glory. And Christ is there. God being the object of worship is there with them. And he will be with them. And Christ, the great high priest, is there. He with God is one. And God being the main focus of worship, the purpose of the church, is that God lives in you. So thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. Now we're worshiping him. We don't need help, we don't need musicians, we don't need instruments, we don't need all the distractions. We are seeing him eye to eye. We we bring that worship man focused on him. No distraction, no sun, no rain, no snow. We don't need that. We don't need any building to cover us, give us a place. No, 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 nothing like that. 23, and the city had no need of of the sun, neither of moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did the light in it. Man, can you imagine where we're going? Can you imagine where we're headed? And the lamb is the light thereof. Is he not the light of the world? Now is he not the light in you, giving you a taste of where we're headed? Christianity is beyond man to understand. Except Except God gives you the revelation of What he did did in Christ. You would think it's a religion. You are degrading it by doing that. Completely degrading it. It's a glorious thing. Sit here in heavenly places. Far above principalities and powers. Is that what you're equating with religious organizations? The Bible talks of Hebrews 6, 5. Who have tested the goodness of the world to come. The goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come. The power of the age to come. We are tasting it right now. Right now. Christ in us, the hope of glory, of tasting it. Presence of God in you is the only reason you taste it. In your life, you taste that glory. You taste that presence of God. You do that worship. And the scripture said that this is a real, real taste of the Christ, a true Christian faith. You want to know whether your faith is solid. You want to check whether you know that you are the temple of God, that God lives in you. It's the real, genuine test? Romans 8, 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So if he's not dwelling in you, you're not a Christian. So that's what Christianity is all about. That Christ has come to tabernacle a man. But when we get to the New Jerusalem, it will be massive. There won't be any more tabernacles or where we gather. No, the gathering is one massive gathering where we worship him. And 2 Corinthians 13:5, examine yourself. The Holy Spirit is saying to the Christian, check yourself. For what? Why do I check myself? Whether you be in the faith. Do you you have the faith? Prove your own selves. How? Know you not yourselves how that Christ is in you? Don't you know you are a carrier of God? Check yourself whether you know this fact. Do you know this truth? Except you be reprobate. Except you are not a Christian. And you know a lot of Christians, our minds don't go here. That's why I'm dwelling on this. Because this will open you up to realize why you are a peculiar person. Why you are a supernatural being? Where nothing is impossible for you if you believe that God is in you, and that will make you not act like a regular, normal people. When the Bible says you are peculiar, you are a super man, a spirit being, an eternal spirit being, a carrier of God. There's a level of dignity, it impacts you. There's a level of confidence, it impacts you. There's a level of expectation, it impacts you. Examine yourself. Whether you be in the faith, prove your own self. Know you not your own self, how that Christ Jesus is in you? Don't you know that? Except you be reprobate, but I trust that you shall know. That we are not reprobate. We are not because we have him in us. So imitating God now becomes an easy thing. Because if you are carrying God, God says, I'm right here. Let me walk out these things. Let, let me express myself through you. I am love. Let me walk through you. So that I can reproduce. I can produce myself, I can produce myself externally using you as a vessel. When you talk, I'll give you words to talk. I will, I'll give you life. I'll make you do things. But you need to trust me. You need to believe me. You need to understand what I'm saying, that you are just a vessel. You are a vessel. You are a temple. I am the one that is walking in you. First Corinthians 27. To whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of manifesting the glorious life of God. Christ. So when I live by faith in Him, when I believe He's in me, know you not that Christ is in you? When I believe He's in me, then I can trust Him and yield my vessel to Him, and He will do exactly why He's there. He will do work out the purpose why he's living in me, is to show forth his glory. It's to demonstrate his presence so that others will see his light, others will see his glory and want to, want to come and know him. The scripture says, with, with observing your chest conversation, they can come. They can come, just see Christ at work. The way we talk, the way we behave, they see Jesus. And Jesus is more than do's and don'ts. His life itself is the source of life. And so Paul continues, uh, Ephesians 5, 9, For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what places the Lord and take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead of exposing, because it's a degrading thing for you, knowing who you are, knowing you are carrying God. I was watching the, you know, uh, the arrival of, sometimes I watch some of this, the arrival of Air uh, Force One, you know, how the presidents of America travel. Very fascinating. And then the level of dignity that is attached to that office. All the presidents, the level of dignity, the careful planning, the expensive security things put in place for the office of the president. Office of the president. And think of the office of the Most High God, and you are his place of residence. You are bigger than the White House. You can't go to the White House anyhow. You'll be in jail before you can say Jack Robinson. But we are the dwelling place of the Almighty God. How much dignity does it attach to your life? And when the presidents come out, there's there's a level of dignity that they have to behave because they are presidents. They can't do certain things. I, I, I observe the way the royalty, all of them, the way they stand in public, they put their hands, so you can see me, they put their hands. There's a way observed, they do they are, I, I found that they were trained to do that. They don't they don't live, they always put their hands this way. They, they were trained how to carry themselves, how to walk to match. The dignity of the office. That's what the Bible is saying. So Paul continued in chapter 8. He says we are no more in darkness. We're now in the light and this light in you is producing. Christ is the light. For you, we are once darkness but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. Don't walk as children of darkness. Walk at children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Find out what your, your position, your brand, your brand uh, it, it requires. The, find out what the president of America must know what the brand demands of it. He must know it so he can maintain. And if he ever goes below that, it's all over the world. Newspapers will carry. He can't do anything that is not dignifying of his office. How about we that carry God? It says, it says verse says, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have, have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. You know, once we begin to cover up things, they, they, they multiply there. He pays to, to be sincere and expose things. They multiply in darkness. 12, for it is shameful. It's not dignifying of somebody who's carrying God. It is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. So don't do things that you can't, you can't expose. When you do things that you can't discuss openly, and watch your life. Anytime you are doing something you don't want to share with people, market is disabled. Not all things so. There are things you don't want to share with people because you have a right to your privacy. You have to maintain your personal space. So you don't have to come and wash your clothes on the, the public, no. But there are things we doing. we know this is wrong. And the reason we won't tell anybody, of course, we know it's wrong. We know it's wrong. It's not that we don't know. And that's why we hide it. We won't tell anybody. Because we know this one ah, is wrong. But if that one is right. Ah, you share it. You say, bro, bro, I have something to share with you. People. Ah, I want you to check it with me. <laughs> because your conscience is clear. You know, do you have any problem with it? But this one, you know, again, I'm not talking about, you know, no, no. I'm not saying you should expose yourself. and No, no, there are things that are personal to you. Nobody should butt into your private life. The Bible says we should not be busy, in other men's matters. But you know what I'm talking about now. Huh? There are things we do. We know it's wrong. We hide. We will not discuss it with people we know we should discuss it with. We hide it from them. Because we already know it's wrong. Why? That's darkness. That's darkness. When you take something that's not, when we're growing up, you take something that's not your own, you hide it behind. Because you know you did wrong. Well, somebody did hide, and the dog in the house came behind and took it. I think he took meat, he was hiding it, and the dog in the house came and took the meat from him. So he lost the meat. <laughs> Where would you do we we'll hide? Because you know you did something wrong, you hide it. Because you know it's wrong. So we know that even from childhood. So the scripture is saying when you start doing things you don't want to share with the appropriate people, you usually would have shared it with. Not out of, not out of protecting your space, but because you know it's wrong. You know it's wrong. Or you don't want them to tell you that this is wrong. So you, are, you want to do something. You don't want anybody to tell you it's wrong. Why don't you want people to, to, to judge it for you? Because you're afraid that they will tell you the truth. That's why. So Paul goes on and says that a Christian may be asleep, walking in ignorance, and who... And does not know who he is, that Christ lives in him. He does not know the kind of person he is. Remember, the disciples of Jesus said, call call fire to consume this people. Jesus said, you don't know the type of spirit you have. That's why you're talking like this. When a Christian doesn't know the type of spirit is in him, he doesn't know who, who he is, the kind of dignity that God has bestowed on him, the kind of glory that God has bestowed on him, the kind of power he's carrying, privileges he's carrying, the, the kind of awesomeness that God has simply bestowed on him because God's presence is in him. He's like somebody asleep. You know, when you are asleep, you are not aware of your environment. So Paul used these metaphors to illustrate something very important to us. So he says, you know, a Christian may be walking asleep, which means he's ignorant, And then when you are sleeping, the moment you wake up, the first thing you know is that you were sleeping. There's nobody who wakes up and says, I didn't know I was sleeping. No. The first thing you know when you wake up is that you were sleeping. That's the first thing you know. So when you wake up out of your spiritual slumber, the first thing you realize is that you are ignorant. You've been walking in ignorance. And that's when revelation will come, because that's when you seek revelation. Because when you are sleeping, and then you wake up, you realize, oh, my God, I've been sleeping. Right, it's, it's, I need to do so. You realize your responsibility. You start engaging them. You start engaging. It's the same thing spiritually. You are asleep. You wake up and realize, oh, my God, I've been walking in ignorance. No, 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 I've got to get the revelation. You start engaging God for revelation. You want to know. You want to understand. You have a hunger. Because you realize, I've been walking in ignorance. Verse 14, therefore, okay, let me read 1 Corinthians 6, 19. It says, what? (laughs) Paul said, are you this ignorant? You don't have this truth in you? What? That word is, are you serious? Remember he said, examine yourself whether you are still in this faith. Do you realize that Christ is in you? Otherwise, are you a reprobate? Are you saying you are... You're a reprobate. You don't have Christ in you. Is that what you are trying to portray? So he says to a whole church, "What know you not?" So you don't know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. So you have. So that's why you are no wonder you are going. He told him, "He said that's why you are living in immorality, living in giving your body into things that does not dignify your position as a child of God." He said, so you don't know this? So, you know, they were, they were spiritually asleep. You could be spiritually asleep. You, people come to church and go, who know next to? Not much. Not much. They don't listen. They don't care. They're not interested in revelation. They don't pray about it. And their life ends up being regular, normal, just regular. There is, there's, no, there's no revelation of the glory they carry. It's not because they don't have it, because they don't have the faith to make it work. They don't have the understanding. And when they confront things, they should rise up in faith and march on it, succumb easily, and murmur, and complain, and start looking for prophets, because they don't know who they are. So, verse 14, Ephesians 5:14. Therefore, he says, Awake. this is is amazing. It's like, come and wake up. Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead. You are like a dead human being. Something is happening around you. When we sleep, you know, sleep is a taste of death. We're talking of death with that every day. When you sleep, it's a taste of death. I was driving somewhere. I was feeling sleepy. You said, okay, Lord. Okay, fine. So, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. So s- sleep is a test of death. Sleep is a te- you when you are sleeping, you know, they can carry you from there to to um anywhere. They can carry you, and by the time you wake up, that's where you that's where you can say, Well, I'm not supposed to go here. But as long as you are asleep, you are dead. You are not dead physically like a dead man, but at least you are consciously unaware. So they can do anything they can do to their corpse, they will do to you. So he says, he says, awake, arise from the dead, and Christ will now give you light. Remember what we said, that if you are sleeping and you wake up, the first thing you know is that you were asleep. You can't say I didn't know because that's the first thing. Oh my God, I've been sleeping. Oh my God, oh my. Then immediately a sense of responsibility kicks in. And you begin to check the things that, oh, did I put something on the fire? I think I left something. Oh, wow. You're wrong. The reason is that you have come alive. You come alive and begin to have realized situations and have a situational awareness and begin and begin to respond the way you should. And Paul is saying, if you are ignorant, you're like that. Then you wake up, come out of that ignorance so that you are. As a Christian, you, you, the real responses will begin to kick in. And you want to have revelation. You, how can you not want revelation? Because that's your light. That's your walk. It's your spiritual eye. He said, when you do that, Christ will give you light. Christ will give you revelation that I'm in you. So no more, what? No, you're not. Now nah, you know, yeah, he is in me. He lives in me. And your testimony will be that of Paul. You say he lives in us; we receive his life. We're sure, and because you know that, you will not fear anything. Because the greater, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Look at David, because he was aware, was aware of the presence of God. Listen to what he said. He said, "Even if I pass through the shadow of the valley of death, I shall fear no evil, because Thou art with me." I mean, if a Christian really rises to this revelation, what will make him afraid anymore? Isn't the scripture that said, the world has nothing that can take you down because the greater one lives in you. But he doesn't. He's spiritually asleep to this truth. And then when he wakes up and the spirit of God gives him a revelation that I'm in you, he goes, oh my God, wow, the greater one is in me. Everything that's challenging him is small. The Lord is the center of my life, Of whom shall I fear? What are you, God will make me afraid? Nothing. You see where that thing moves us to a place of victory? Where we engage life from a place of victory, not from a place of victim. Where we engage life a, from, from a place of expectancy. It, because this presence affords us a lot of privileges. See then that you walk circumspectly. Now, when you have this revelation that Christ is in you, he said the next thing is, the, 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 the response is, you begin to be careful now how you walk. Because it's there. Circumspectly means careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences. Because now you're awake. <laughs> now you're awake, you're not asleep. See then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. Because there are things that are unbecoming of your dignity. You can't engage in. In fact, it insults you as a Christian to engage in those things. I I, I tell the devil, I said, to to do what you want is is a serious insult to to Christ. It's a serious insult to Jesus. To do what you want and upon what you have done to me in my life. To, to do one thing that you want is insulting it's, it's me my person. After all you did to me in my life, after all, all that you tried to kill me, why should I do anything you want? It's insulting my dignity, devil, to, to listen to it, And insulting my Lord, who saved me from you. It's being ungrateful to him. <clears throat> you know, there's one sister I was traveling with in the aircraft. We're sharing one well, I mean, of my daughters, he said, Daddy, there are certain things I can't do because it would be the utmost disrespect to my husband. I will never try that. He said, because that my husband is my head. I will never degrade him below any man. I will not. Yeah. Somebody who knows the, the value of who is with him. It's a question of do's and don'ts. It's a question of God is in me. You know, Joseph said, how can I do this thing? And do this against God? He's here. (laughs) Against God? No. He brought me here. He brought me here. How can I do this? Against God? You see, the motivation is not do's and don'ts. The motivation is in worship to he that is in you. It's a continuous act of worship to he that lives in us. We we, we don't know he's there. We can't give him all the worship. We think worship is only Sunday morning. No. When you begin to be careful what you choose because of his presence, you are honoring him. You are worshiping him. You are exalting him above everything else. That's why Christianity is awesome. Do you know any religion that offers man that God lives in you? None. And he says, "See then, that, verse fifteen. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise people, as wise men, as wise." You know, seventeen. Therefore, do not be unwise but understand what the will of the Lord is because you want to honor him, you want to dignify him, you want to glorify him. He's the lover of my soul. He's the one that saved my soul. He delivered me from the world. He delivered me from iniquity. Man, can I I, I thank him enough? How can I do this and grieve him? How is it possible? Motivated by love for him, Driven by honor for him. Driven by knowing who he is. Driven by realizing that it's even a great honor for him to live in us. So, Paul continued to say that one way we can continue to do this is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will help us. to, to, To give us revelation of who is in us. And, and help us now to, to carry out, to, to respond to him adequately in love, in faith. So we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So in, in chapter 18, do not be drunk with wine, and in which is dissipation, which is uselessness. But be filled with the Spirit. Now we said this, you know the Holy Spirit is a good communicator. So he told us, he showed us exactly, what being filled with the Holy Spirit will do to your life. In order to motivate us to really decide. Because, you know, benefit is a great motivator, a great motivation for people. So God will always use benefits to motivate us onto good things. So he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He started to show you what benefits are there for you. So that you really want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then verse 19, he said, one thing you are going to be doing is speaking to one another in Psalms, in hymns, spiritual songs, Singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord in your kitchen, in your car, when things are not okay, you discover that you are singing because you are full of the Spirit. You are singing because you know you are you are hooked on to worshiping Him because you love Him because He's real to you. You you don't you don't you don't evaluate Him by what is happening. You evaluate Him because, from what the Scripture says. He's, he's, he lives in me. Job got it right. He said, "Though he kills me, I will yet praise him." He said, "I praise He said, "I know my Redeemer liveth, and see him." Man, you can't take praise out of my mouth for him. Filled with the Spirit, he he, motiv- he activates, he makes you do stuff, man. So you, you sing. You, people should you should you should write your poems that the Spirit of God inspires you to write. It's not just Psalms. You should have your book of poems where you write poems that God gives you. You should have a place where you jot down your own Psalms, your own personal Psalms that God gives you, your own songs that God gives you. You should jot them down. And when you start jotting them down and start reading them at your leisure, sometimes you see that you have you have a conversation going on. Spiritual things are not too difficult. It's just to follow the Bible. Psalms, Themes, spiritual songs, not not worldly songs. Not uh, I don't know their names. All these people, (laughs) all these people that sing for the devil. I don't know their names. I don't listen to them. I don't care about them. They don't build my life. They've not to contribute to me. Nothing. Absolutely zero. I found Jesus is my all. I don't need them. I usually need them. What we sing is spiritual songs. Songs inspired by the Holy Spirit. You say, why? Because you have God in you, and you are His temple, and you are worshipping Him. In heaven, we worship Him. It's for the taste. So the worship must go on. It must go on. It has to go on. Is it not contrary to... Murmuring, complaining, that's full of flesh. I'll tell my wife, I said, I don't know why people get time to talk about this person doesn't love me, this person loves me. I said, why do they find time for such stuff? If they love you good, if they don't love you, it's the same thing. What does it matter? Who cares? Who loves you? Does it? My friend, leave it alone. Jesus loves you. Walk with him. He will direct your path. He will put people in your life that you need. And the people you don't need, don't worry about them. Don't bother yourself about what he does for you. Not what who do you know anyhow? You and people are wasting their time. <laughs> just just wasting their time. Twenty. Giving thanks always for all things. Why the worship must go on? That's where we're going. We worship him. the the object of our worship. That's where we're headed. No temple. The whole place is the temple because God is with His people. The, our chief high priest, great high priest, Jesus is there. The whole body of Christ in a massive place. We're worshiping Him. Morning. There's no money. No day. Nothing. No time. How we just worship Him? And God said. It's a foretaste here. Thou shall worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shall thou serve. It's a foretaste we are having. We are worshippers of God. In all times, giving thanks always. Why? You are His temple. He's right there, and then all you need to do is worship Him. That's all you do. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything must be done. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, if the Lord leads me anytime, I'll teach upon the, 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 the name of Jesus. It's amazing. It's amazing. How about you want to worship the Lord? I want to worship in the name of Jesus. Just like, just like we pray in the name of Jesus. We do all things in the name of Jesus. We worship in the name of Jesus. We do all things in his name. Before you worship, saying Jesus' name, I want to worship God. Because that's what he says. Worshiping in his name. That's the life of a spirit-filled person. He's full of joy, full of patience, full of of fruit of the spirit. You you can't be a troublesome person, trouble, people know you are trouble, you come and tell me you are filled with the spirit. That's a strange spirit. It's not what we read here. We didn't see it here. And then let me show you another thing about spirit-filled people, submitting to one another in the fear of God. You see what it does? submitting to one another in the fear of it. When you are filled with the Spirit, you are controlled by the Spirit, you will be very humble. Submission will not be an issue at all. You will really love to submit. You are not going to be pushed to do that. You really love it. Because that's your nature. That's your new nature. Pride will be strange to you. All that rebellion will be strange to you. Because the Spirit that controls you, it's the spirit that says, learn of me for I'm lowly in heart. Lowly. The spirit that made himself of no reputation. If you're under the influence of that spirit, you too will make yourself of no reputation. Because your contentment does not come from your, your reputation. It doesn't come from who you are. It doesn't come from anything in this world. It comes from Christ being your all and all. And you're satisfied. There's no room for jealousy, envy. There's no room for that. Because you have all things for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. In honoring the God that. Remember, all these things come from remembering that God is in you. You are the temple of God. I mean, if we are here, like we are doing Bible studies, let's be real. Let's practically do this. And all of a sudden, this this, this pulpit moves and Jesus stands here all of you will shake all of you will wake up "Eh?" "Eh?" why because his presence comes alive but because you don't see him he's here you know I remember a sister that shared the testimony with us at the Wednesday fellowship I don't anybody remember it he came into my office he was talking about sickness and you know to pray with her and I said okay fine I said I pray for you because I'm not the healer I said Jesus lives in me and the Christ in me is the one that will heal you. I said, I will stand up and lay hands on you. I said, Christ in me will heal you. And she said, Pastor, as soon as you stood up and you stood in front of me to pray, he said, you simply disappeared and Jesus was standing there. He said, I was petrified with fear. Completely petrified. Did anybody hear that testimony when is Wednesday? Anybody heard it? On a Wednesday, so I petrified with fear. I say, he was he "It was standing, was You just disappeared. I've seen him. Why? Jesus wanted to show him what he told you is true. I mean him, and I mean you too. I mean you too. You don't have to come to this office. I mean you too. I can I can heal you if you ask me. So if you have that kind of visual re- re- revelation." For the next one week, you'll be walking like Ahab. You you walk so quietly. <laughs> next one month, you have not recovered. When you realize the reality of Christ. but That's why the Holy Spirit comes to give, show us the reality of Christ. You, to listen to me. Faith can't come by visuals. No. They don't come by visuals. When Jesus was there physically, they barely had faith in him. But when he died and rose and the Holy Spirit came, and started revealing him to their spirit, they started having faith, because faith is of the spirit. By visual, you you, you, you know, faith does not come by visual. Faith comes by revelation of the Holy Spirit. That's why we don't walk by sight. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Then being filled with the Holy Spirit, let's talk about it. Number one, we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and pray in the Holy Spirit, Mostly, Jude says, but I think Jude 20, I don't have the verse here, but I think Jude 20. I think so, yeah. But you, my delightful love friends, constantly and progressively build yourself up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the spirit. That's how you build yourself up, praying in the spirit. Praying in the Spirit is the gateway to the supernatural. If you really want to experience the supernatural, pray in the Spirit a lot. Pray in the Spirit a the lot. Then again, it all depends on who you share your time with now. If you spend most of your time fellowshipping with the world, they will influence you. If you spend most of your time fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, He will influence you. If you are communing with Him, He will instruct you. And guide. Is it not surprising that a Christian, listen to this, is going to look for counseling when God gave him a counselor? The Spirit of God is your counselor to guide you in all things. But you go to look for counselor, counseling from people who don't even know God, who haven't even fixed their own lives. It's because we don't know God. It's unbelievable the level that we don't know God. Say so you have a counselor. A counselor, your helper. So if we fellowship with him in studying scriptures and in communion, then he will influence us. Again, to whom do you give your love and affection? That's what determines if you come under the influence of the Spirit of God, under the influence of what you're giving yourself to. In Matthew six twenty one, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your treasure is things of this world, and that's where you spend your time <laughs> they will influence you they will influence you so the disciples said in Acts for but we will give ourselves continually to prayer unto the ministry of the world we don't have time for all this why do we find time to watch all these things we watch on TV junk and then we, we, we wonder why we are spiritually weak why was we, we wonder why we lose spiritual battles we wonder and some of them have become addiction to some Christians let me say here and now no Christian should be bound by anything you can't be addicted to coffee can't be addicted to anything you must walk free it, once you are addicted it means it controls you addiction is slavery to something you must break it and say, no, you can't control me. If I'm taking coffee, there are days I'm waking up, I I'm not taking you because I'm in charge. If you are not able to say no, that thing has you where it wants you. There are people addicted to lying. They can't stop it. They lie and lie and lie. People addicted to sexual immorality. Addiction, any type of addiction, is a sign that you are a slave by something. And most of the time, it is spiritual bondage. Not all the time, but most of the time. It has to do with spiritual bondage. There's a spirit behind it that you can't get away from. But if you go to the Lord and ask Him how to break off it, He will show you. Sometimes it's what it's we play into all these things. And we make bait for it and say, No, my earnest, I lie a lot. <laughs> is that the life that Christ gave you? Didn't they say, if the song will set you free, you are free indeed. So why are you not free indeed? Is it that Jesus lied? Is it he lied? A Christian must not be addicted to anything. I don't care what that is. I don't care whether it's legitimate, not legitimate. You must not allow addiction. If you like soccer, there are times you say, hey, turn off this and I'm not watching you. Sit down. I'm doing something else. I can't be addicted to it. We allow addiction, and you know, one door opens another one, opens another one. Demons, first one opens the door, others come. That's how they operate. There's one that controls others. Once you get, not your, you are not possessed, but when you give interest into your life, others find a way to come. Jesus said, when the, when the devil comes, he'll go and bring seven more demons. When he goes, he'll come, seven more, they'll come in. That one brought them. See, that's how we, we're weak to study Bible. But we can't Bible study was weak. Come to church, you can't hear. You know, your mind is you, what you're not concentrating. You're not. You're not yourself. You're not yourself. And gradually, your interest in the things of God begins to wane. Begin, you begin to find fault. You are in danger. To be honest with you, you are really in danger already. See, Adam and Eve, they were fellowshipping with God until they started fellowshipping with Satan. And they didn't come out of that. When they finished that fellowship with Satan, and Satan started to tell them what to do. Look at the same people that used to enjoy fellowship. They used to love Bible study. They used to love choir. They, used to, they, were so, <laughs> they loved Jesus. Oh, they were so excited. Now, they find fault. They won't come. To, they drag themselves. To, something you fellowship with the wrong spirit look at it here genesis 3 7 and the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together made themselves upon so you begin to do things that are inferior you replace the gold with 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 silver eight and they heard the voice of the lord god they will hear the sermon bible studies the choir singing, worshiping, praise. They will hear it. They see their reaction. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. That's what happens. Once you start hiding yourself, you're becoming uncomfortable. You find fault with this. You used to be excited. You have fellowshiped. You are fellowshipping with something. And it will affect your relationship with people. Find yourself acting pridefully, condemning people, judging people, being angry. Even in your home, your spouse will notice something is wrong. Even your, I'm telling you, people dealing with you will notice, be, they, they may not say it before you, but they'll notice that there's a way you treat people. There's no more love and gentleness. No. It's so prideful. Everything must be your way. If it's not your way, you pine away and pine away, pine away some more. 1 John 2, 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, if any man love this world, if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. For all that is in the world, the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eye, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. Then this spirit-filled life spills into the family. That's what I'm saying. In Ephesians 5.22, talking about submission, because if you are full of the spirit, controlled by the spirit, submission will not be difficult for you. Wives, verse 5.22, wives submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord. Ah, yeah, this one. <laughs> For the husband is the head of the wife. Who wrote it? Jesus. As also Christ is the head of the church. And he's the savior of the body. You see the standard Jesus is setting? He's using himself and the church as an example to follow. You know the way submit to me, submit to your husband. Oh, I'm not doing that. I'm in America. Okay, fine. The church is not America. The church is the kingdom of God. <laughs> Period. The wisdom is the wisdom of God. It's not American wisdom. Period. The church is not American pr- pr- proposition. It's not a Western proposition. It's not a Western articulation. It came from heaven. Jesus came from heaven heaven and we are, are not of this world at all you either believe god or make your choice wives submit to your own husbands as to the lord for the lord for the husband is the head of the wife as also christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body therefore just as the church is subject to christ so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything 25 husbands now love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, 27, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any sort of thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands, husbands, so husbands, 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 to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. If you can't beat yourself, you can't beat your wife. If you can't abuse yourself, you can't abuse your wife. Oh yes, what you can't do to yourself, you can't do it to her. Who wrote it? Jesus. 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh. You can't hate your wife. The Bible says it can't be resentful against them. That's the spirit of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the Christ life for Christ. Remember, it's in us now, where His temple. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. That's how you cherish your wife and nourish her. Just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Humility manifests in willing submission to God's instituted authority. It's everywhere. God does not like rebellion. Rebellion, it says, is worse than witchcraft. It's not, it's not from God. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey those who have rule over you and be submissive, obey and be submissive. If you have control by the Holy Spirit, submission will not be difficult. To the government, to those who God has considered authority, civil government, church government, family government, submission will not be difficult for you. You will love to do it. And this submission, this leadership that Jesus is teaching, you know in wrestling they do submission. But their own submission is by force, so they carry you and force you down and sit on you, and they call it submission. That's not—it's how it is in the church. It's not like that in the church. Look at uh, look at uh, uh, Matthew twenty twenty-five. But Jesus called them together and said, "You know that the rulers of this world loved it over their people." And officials flaunt the authority over those under them. You can't flaunt it and say, my wife, the Bible says you got to submit to me. You are flaunting it. You're proud. It's not God. That's not Jesus. That's not what he's teaching. Flaunt the authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. We have Whoever wants to be a leader among you, want to be a leader, want to lead your home, lead your wife, lead your children. Listen to Jesus. A leader among you must be your servant. You serve your wife, you serve your children. That's God's pattern of leadership. Submission is not by abusive means. 27 and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slaves. That's God's pattern. Because when you do that, God himself will come and lift you up. And then your service to them will be, God will use it to bless them. God will use it to do things in their lives. Because it's God that does everything. For even the Son of Man came not to be served. Okay, <laughs> he's showing us an example. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for meaning. So leadership entails loving your wife and children as Christ did to us. That's Christian, spirit-filled, home, husband, loving your wife as Christ loved you and gave his life for you. He never fronted his authority. He never abused you. He never threatened you. Nothing. And you were doing wrong. But he never. He said they died for it. And the duties of the husband is outlined for us in verse 26 to 28. Let me read it again. 26 to 28. He said that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives. As their own bodies so though it, it, it outlined the duties of a husband right here he must be somebody who teaches his family the word to clean them with the word you have to teach scriptures Bible to your family and not just teaching them you model it so they see it you teach and you teach better by action first Corinthians 11 verse one be you followers of me even as I also am Following Christ. That's the husband's first duty. You have to be a follower of Jesus. You can't be coming late to church. You're not a good husband. You can't be treating the things. Go to your house. All you do is criticize the church and you're teaching your children that the church is not good for them. And remember, children learn quick. when They are following you because they're small. But when they become adults, they will rebel and say, I'm not going there. You sow the seed. You. You sowed it when they were small. You sold it. You were the one teaching them the church is not good. It's not useful. They did this. They did, blah, 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 blah. The first person that will be the victim of that is you when they become adults. Because you sold it. You were the one teaching them. That you go to church anyhow, they be doing those Because that's what you are modeling for them. That's what you are modeling for them. You didn't show them that the church is important. Jesus is real. Because it's from what you do, they'll know this is important too. John 13, 15, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. That's how the husband should teach. Hebrews 6, 12, that you, sh- that you be not slothful but full of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. We should be example of the faith in Christ. Our children should see us exercise faith in Christ, exercise zeal. Our life should, it, should excite them. It, it should kick them in. I'll stop here and my time is over. Next time, we'll, start, we'll talk about the mystery of Christ and his church, the marriage of Christ. Why Jesus is setting himself up as example of family because he married us and we have a family. And his family is the standard that we should all follow. My time is up. Let us pray. Precious Father, we just want to thank you and give you praise for the truth that you brought our way. Father, we trust this thing into your hand. You are the only one who can reveal it, the only one who can help us understand it, even to leave it. For without you we can do nothing. Blessed be thy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.